to a very spooky episode of the Galarian Podcast. I'm your host, Del Adel, and I'll be doing this voice for the whole hour. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I'm Del Adel, this is the Galarian Podcast. Um, we're doing a Halloween special already. It's like episode two. We're right into the holiday specials. You know, the network's about to cancel us. Um, with me, not as always, is Enrique Fantastico. He's off visiting the king wearing spandex. Um, but I have a special guest with us here today, Francis Charles Shahan, actor, director, writer extraordinaire, and overall general madman, mad scientist. Um, introduce yourself here, Francis. Well, thank you, Dale. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, let's see, what can I go into? Uh, my name is Francis Charles Sheehan. Oh, I fucked that up. I oh, fucked up. it's I fine. fucked it up. Like, I've known you for like 10 years and I still fuck it up. Oh, it's fine. You know you know what? If you want to call me Shahan, it's fine. We'll go with Shahan. But anyway, um, you and I have gone back, what, 10 years is it now? Um, I think, wait, oh, Six, seven. I don't know. It's been. It's been. We had, well, not enough to have a child going into middle school. If if we had the parts and the, and, and the things. God, what a hideous child <laughs> that would turn out to be. You could say it'd be a monster. <laughs> um, not the cuddly kind either. <laughs> they're all cuddly. Okay, there's no monsters. Just blinkered people. Really? Um, Tell that to Jason Voorhees. <laughs> listen, he just needed love. His mother's love. His mother's demented love. Um, maybe her sweater, <laughs> and the girl kind of looks like her. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's we just entering spoopy season here, and uh, we got to get our, our our spoopy dudes off here. And the best way to get into it is, is horror films. That's like the number one spooky thing aside from spending a whole month in a costume you're just gonna buy and never wear again. Horror films, good times, good times. Particularly when your parents wouldn't let you watch them and you had to sneak over to your friend's house, watch them, have night terrors. Your parents would say, what's wrong, what's wrong? And it's like, I just had a bad dream, that's all. And then you get a call from a parent the other day and then you can't go to that friend's house for a month. <laughs> Is that what happened? No, no, but I, 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 my parents did not uh, like horror movies. It, it just in general, so I wasn't allowed to really watch them at home. So anytime uh, a friend would invite me over to their place, we'd watch something a little scary. And I think it's I think a lot of my love of horror movies comes from the fact that my parents denied me the satisfaction of watching them as a kid. Although I watch scary movies, just not necessarily horror movies as a oh. kid. Like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Well, that's an acid trip in and of itself. That I mean, whole boat scene still gets me. It's probably the most terrifying part of the whole movie, with the exception of each of the children being dispatched. Yeah, well... Eh. And the slave labor race. <laughs> the, 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 freak, the Uber Lobos are freaky, but, like, the, 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 the fear of looking at the actor who played Charlie's eyes, it's like, did you just actually terrify that child? It probably did. <laughs> Let, let's face it. Uh, Willy Wonka, being stuck in a uh, in any sort of situation with Willy Wonka would just be absolutely terrifying because the man, I'll admit, perhaps maybe a culinary genius, has no social skills because he spends all of his time with this uh, small 
orange dwarven race that exists in the jungles of some far distant land that he convinced to come to his uh, workshop. Convinced. He kidnapped some pygmies and threw them in a box. I pay him with cocoa beans. And they're like, oh yeah, beans are great. Yeah. yeah. They're yep. like drug addicts. Yep. <laughs> An entire nation now exists working for Wonka. Truly horrifying if you get into the real specifics and the fact that in the books all the kids die. Ah, potato, potato. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even Burton wouldn't go that far when he did his version, and that oh. was a nightmare. He's he he has he's actually done some like really good like like I don't know, I guess they're horror films, but like the, the spooky films. Like um, he, he was always like the loon, but like. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have like like your Batman stuff, which has that like even like a Halloween flair to it a little bit because it's very dramatic with the costumes. But, it kind of naturally goes with the territory. I of think superheroes. Sleepy Hollow is an absolute classic. Sleepy Hollow was his first R-rated movie. Was it? It was. It was the first time that he uh, he re- he had always had a certain level of violence and. Uh, Macabre. And macabre elements to it, but that was the first time it was an all-out gore fest. Uh, the sequence that happens in Ichabod Crane's past, when his uh, when his father tortures his witch mother, th- there's literally an ocean of blood that comes out of the Iron Maiden that she's in. And I have uh, to rewatch this. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I mean, you 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 sit on something, and that's uh, uh, this year. It said it's twentieth anniversary. Is it? Yeah, in 1999. 20 years ago, that movie came out. Wow, I've had it on DVD for a long time. For those of you who don't know, if you're listening to this in the future, a DVD is like this circular thing you put into, inside this box that replays videos, like, like YouTube. In the 90s, we called them laser discs. <laughs> <laughs> that came after VHS. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that particular movie uh, was really remarkable because... For the first time ever, uh, Tim Burton took on a story that really wasn't his, I mean, outside of uh, the Batman films. And he um, he put his own stamp on it because it's not the traditional Headless Horseman story. It's not the legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's Burton's own take because, I mean, we don't have witches in that one. Uh, I mean, uh, no one... In the original, other than the Headless Horseman himself, gets his head removed. So that was something added into that. And the whole uh, backstory and the, the, the devil and the gnarled tree with all the heads inside. Hey, look, Mom, it's fire. Oh, my God, the tree's bleeding. <laughs> uh, it, moments like that, that that he was able to capture. And some of our favorite pale weirdos were in that one, too. <laughs> well, it's the guy, the guy who he plays the uh, the principal on, uh, on Ferris Bueller as well. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't remember him, but he was also... Uh, uh, Jeffrey Mr. Jones, I want to say? Uh, let me check on that one. Uh, I remember he was also in um, uh, another favorite uh, Burton of mine, um, Beetlejuice. He was the dad in Beetlejuice. Yes. Yes, let's see... Uh, I, I think your name. I think you're right. His name is Jeff. I want to say it's Jeffrey Jones. Sounds about right. Uh, Christina Ricci was also in there, right? Yes, she was phenomenal. First thing I think I'd ever seen her as as pretty much an adult, because from for most of her stuff, I mean, from what I had always watched her in, well, there was the craft. There was. Uh, 
No, Christina Ricci wasn't in The Craft. She wasn't? No, she wasn't in that no, one. No, I'm thinking, confusing her with the girl from Waterboy. Yes. Ah, uh, shoot, she hasn't. It was also Waterboy. in a very famous uh, uh, children's uh, scary movie. Uh, well, uh, what's his shoot. name? Oh, Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. You Damn! Are, uh, that was his name. Yeah, that was his name. And as for the girl who's in The Craft... It's a it's a name you I've never heard other than her, Faruza uh, Balk. Faruza Balk, who was also played Mildred Hubble in the in the nineteen eighties in the Worst Witch. They did a movie version of that, and she was uh, the main character in that. And that had Tim Curry and a bunch of old classics in that. Yeah, it's very interesting, kind of. The people that you continuously see in this sort of um, genre, because yeah. they keep popping up in different places. That uh, it's just like, oh, I, I've I've seen you everywhere, but uh, I don't remember exactly where. I've seen Regis in a lot. Jeffrey Jones is in a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Depp's in a lot. Like uh, count Edward Scissorhands. Well, I mean, he is kind of the king of the pale freaks. Let, right, let's face it. <laughs> the pale freak circle. Well, exactly. if you're a casting director and you've worked on projects, it becomes like your theater group family. So it's like, hey, I know these three guys I was with. Like, if you're watching Game of Thrones, like half the cast is in Harry Potter. It's uh, <laughs> like, okay. okay. Well, I mean, it, it helps that you have people who've worked on similar subject matter. Yeah. And I mean, most directors tend to like having their own little circle of people. Yeah. I mean, uh, Mel Brooks always counted on the same people. Gene Wilder, time. Um, good every time. Every single time, yeah. He would always offer him something. Um, Tarantino calls on the same people almost constantly, and yeah. it's always great seeing he has them. Yes, Samuel L. in there. Uh, oh, speaking of, um, who was right before we said Tarantino? Mel Brooks. Uh, Mel oh, Brooks, uh, Young Wilder. Frankenstein, another great Halloween classic. Absolutely. Like it doesn't have to be a scary movie to be a Halloween movie. Like you could just like just like a lot of good family movies you have to watch. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, uh, the the fact that. Family movies get overlooked so much. I mean, and just there, just the pure uh, joy you can get from watching a younger generation enjoy a movie that you enjoyed so much. It's a great bonding experience that you can have with, I mean, with uh, your, with sitting down with friends or watching it with your kids or anything like that. But uh, getting back to um, Young Frankenstein, did you know that all the equipment that they used in Young Frankenstein was from the original uh, uh, Universal set. No. That sounds like something Mel Brooks would do, though. Well, uh, the thing was, uh, I don't remember who it was exactly, but uh, Mel was at a meeting at 20th Century Fox, and someone in the room knew uh, a guy who worked on it, and they went to him, and they asked if he had any... uh, equipment or any props from the show and he went to his garage opened it up and it was all there my wife wants me to get rid of this real bad (laughs) pretty much pretty much it's amazing how things like that happen because uh, it's such a shame hollywood really doesn't preserve anything uh on purpose 
Uh, they just will kind of keep it and hoard it and then use it or reuse it again for something else. But if it was like a major thing, it gets trademarked and then just left on a shelf and mm-hmm. just forgotten about all those sad Muppets we never see again. Oh, it's so unfortunate. Yeah, Disney will never let some of those happen oh, again. Well, like, you have all the old Henson properties, like, uh, you have, like, all those, like, like Dark Crystal ones. Yeah. And, like, the Fog Rock ones. Even the old SNL ones. Like, where's Favog then, like... Who has the rights to that? Like, that was, a, that was a fun little bit. Well, that's an odd little question because the Henson family had divested the Muppets, but I believe that they kept everything else mm-hmm. except for uh, the characters on Sesame Street. Yeah. Those characters belong to uh, Children's Workshop. Yeah. And Disney has the Muppets, but uh, the Hensons own everything else. And I'm. it was really great watching uh, the new Dark Crystal show to see that the creative... Uh, spirit that Jim had is still alive in puppeteering. Okay. And uh, just uh, to see uh, the Frau family, uh, who uh, uh, Brendan Frau had worked on the original one. Yeah. And had created the artwork that they used to design all of the puppets and the scenery. Uh, to see them uh, doing this collaboration with the Henson Workshop, it was amazing. Uh, to 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 see that cre- uh, that joint budding, I'm sorry, I'm I'm using the wrong words. Uh, to to see that collaboration to bring something that had never existed before back again. It was like looking into uh, into Jim Henson's mind again. Which I mean, not I wouldn't necessarily say you could ever replicate his genius, but having his children involved the spirit lives on like, exactly it, it's like a spiritual successor yeah you can never redo what he did it's like everyone's always like just like sequels and stuff it's not as good as the first like okay well it's not supposed to be but if it's spiritually lined up i never had a problem like i, I like the second boondock saints i like the second and third john wicks too mm-hmm. and i enjoy sequels of movies if it's in line with it like even the star wars ones that people crap on i'm like yeah you know what there's elements that I like that were carried over, and I'm going to focus on what I like about it and not what I hate about it because I'm a grumpy old man. I'm going to rip it apart if I don't. <laughs> exactly. I, the, the whole thing with with returning to things that we loved as children, the, the nostalgia, you're never going to capture the same magic that you did when you saw something for the first time. And that's why there will always be this backlash against uh, trying to do something new or trying to do a different take on it. But sometimes a story in and of itself needs to change, needs to evolve. Not necessarily the origins of it, but sometimes for it to keep going, we need to see a new interpretation of it or a continuation of it. And anyone who's willing to explore that is is someone that I'm willing to listen to. Now, obviously, everyone should try and utilize their own ideas when creating stories, when creating material. And uh, But, I mean, are you going to tell me you're not going to go and see the, the Rise of Skywalker? Are you going to tell me you're not going to go out of your way... And watch the next superhero movie, or or let's say whatever continuation of any horror franchise that comes up. And that's that's what the ho- the Hollywood execs call a sure thing. <laughs> it is a sure thing, but you know what? I'm not seeing Avatar two. I'm on strike. Oh my god! 
10 years. The man waited 10 years for this thing to come out. Is it even coming out this year? Uh, I think it's next year. Oh, good But my God. whole thing is, like, I didn't years. really enjoy the first one that much. Like, it was, like, I got a headache. That's probably why. 3D glasses gave me a pounding headache early. Oh, and, like, I was yeah. like, this is just Dances with Wolves of Blue People, but I totally hit that blue bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, give me that ten, I'll come here. Yeah, the story She's totally into the fake me. Oh my god! I don't have to be myself with her. I don't have to be myself with her. Yeah, that pretty much figures into every every story. It's I've an ever entire heard. movie about a, a dude who betrays his entire race and planet just to get laid. <laughs> I, I, okay, and then, and then add like a Kevin Costner movie, and, uh, or just the Smurfs. He, it's pretty much just yeah. the Smurfs. Cross the Smurfs with Kevin Costner, and then you go, this is your own horror film right there. <laughs> if you really think about it, it, it could be considered a horror film. But uh, let's go into a Cameron movie that actually is a horror film. Alien. Aliens. So classic. Aliens. I mean, the, the original I, Alien. That's, well, that's that was, what I watched uh, as a kid. So, so you grew up watching um, Aliens. What was your yeah. favorite part of the... Of uh, the whole, uh, it was so changed around from the first one because uh, in the first one it was so very isolated, but in the second one there were other people. Uh, it um, was about saving, uh, liked, getting off planet, all of those yeah. things. I like the fact. Um, well, it's from a military family. Like mm-hmm. my great grandfather was, he was a kill, Nazi killer, um, and so like to see like the soldiers go in and stuff. And I never saw the first one until after I saw the third one. Really? Yeah. Well, that that was a good way to cleanse the palate, I guess. <laughs> so I saw that. I didn't get to learn and appreciate that until I was older. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was a kid, I, wa- I watched horror films. Like, you, you're, you had to sneak out. My parents didn't give a fuck. <laughs> My mom, like, I was so terrified of Child's Play and Chucky. My mom thought it'd be hilarious to get me a, a good guy's doll for Christmas. <laughs> she's still mad. I'm like, <laughs> thanks, Mom. I was terrified of that fucking thing. It's going to kill me. Well, and, like, I... because of movies like Critters and Gremlins, I thought they were, like, hiding in, in cabinets. So if I go downstairs alone, like, I'm, like, waiting for those little fuckers to pop out. I was, like, I was terrified. I was, like, I, I, I like, go in, and, I, and I'd still look, I'd always look behind the shower curtain for that werewolf, and it's just, like, what the hell? It's, like, there, there, there were no rules, so. Uh, no. But Alien, I couldn't appreciate as, as a kid because it was so drawn out. It was, like, true horror. Mm. It was, like, hey, they're in the emptiness of space. There's a lot of empty void in the movie where it's just, like, silence trying to figure out let the audience think and process of of what is coming next like you don't know especially when it first came out it's like you didn't see things like this there were no aliens in movies there were you had like no. ed wood and they had like tentacles and plan nine from outer space kind of deal like this is like a true terrifying alien no it was it was really unique and you could see uh, even in other classic horror movies, they were trying to emulate that a lot like um uh, specifically John Carpenter's the thing. It wasn't set in space, but it was set in a remote, isolated uh, place on Earth. Probably the most remote and isolated, Antarctica. And it was, instead of that thing lurking in the corner and all of the people trying to, uh, 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 trying to avoid being killed and them hunting it, they were the monsters. They were the thing. And you didn't know who you could trust, if you could trust anyone. Uh, am, am I a monster? Hey, audience, how's your head feeling? Oh, fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and the vi- the visuals that that you got with with Alien and the thing, it was 
no one had ever done anything like this before. It was, with Alien, it was reproductive horror because essentially the face grabber uh, rapes you. It latches onto you and it's an act of insemination and then violent the birth. The way you said that, I feel just a little rapey. Like it is. It, it is. It's just kind of like sticks. It's it's alien dick down your throat and just comes in your stomach. And then and the next thing you know, you have a baby punching its way out. It's, it's a like, boy. <laughs> James Cameron's like, I'm gonna take the horrors of childbirth and put this into a feature film. It's something you can not quite relate to, but it's still subconsciously there. Well, in the first like, one, okay. it was, <laughs> and the first one, it was Ridley Scott. So. Oh, Ridley Scott, yeah. yeah, my bad. I'm the worst. No, no it's fine, dude. It's fine. I mean, it's it's uh, it's sometimes it's difficult to figure out where one begins and one ends. I mean, just because it was so just married together for for the longest time, and I mean, still is in many ways. But, uh, and, and with uh, The Thing, it's just that paranoia and the, the body horror that your own body can turn into this monstrous, slimy, soupy monster thing. And your, your things can grow out of I'm your head and crawl around on the floor. And oh, your own stomach opens up at its teeth. Oh, right. See, but like, I was never afraid of aliens, though. Like... When I watched Aliens, like the whole chest burst stuff, yeah, I never, th I never like got terrified of that. I was just like, you know what? Because like, like, like Corporal Hicks had that gun. He was cool, and I was small, mm -hmm. like Newt, so I could just, I could just hide anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like I could crawl onto the couch and hide. Well, there was that. I suppose oh. you could do. Well, what did scare you as a kid? What was the, um, what was the movie that really affected you? One child's play, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. I. I my mom even got me a good guy's doll. Like, what the fuck, mom? I, I laugh at it now, but back then it was like torture. Um, another one was uh, Critters and Gremlins. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I, I picture them like hiding in, in like uh, cabinets and stuff jumping out at me. Um, another one was Friday, not Friday, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger. Because he could get me in my sleep and my mom and dad couldn't save me when I'm asleep. Mm. And that was, like, the thing. Like, I was young enough. Like, I was very smart. Like, I, I could comprehend that that was what was going on. Right. But, like, I couldn't comprehend that it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there like, oh, he, I fall asleep. He can get me. He can get me. And then, like, they'd always be watching it. And they're like, Bruce, look. It's your favorite. I'm like, no. And I'd be like, I would literally, like, be, be like, new. And I'd be, like, hiding under the couch cushions, like, underneath. I remember being at my aunt's. I was, like, like terrified. Looking away. I'm like... But, like, if I, if I don't watch it, like, if I watch it more, I won't be as afraid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that, kid. I'm trying to watch. Yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> no, no. The, the mind is the best, uh, the best thing at getting Ooh. you scared. I mean, you said it yourself. I mean, the fact that uh, cabinets and going downstairs, and it was not having complete control of your environment. No, especially seemed... as a kid, you have no control over anything. Exactly. I, I mean, couldn't even control what was on the TV. Yeah, and that's uh, the great thing about uh, uh, being a kid. I mean, it, it, I mean, like in the movie It, uh, a child's imagination is so, uh, so raw, so ripe with just everyday pliable fear it's easy to scare kids but i mean we carry that over into our adulthood and that's one of the reasons why we really need to watch horror movies because sometimes we need that adrenaline rush we need that return to childishness to to have that i don't know what's going on but oh if i get frightened uh, i i know where the boundaries are and everything but it, and there's a necessity uh, for us 
scaring ourselves because it, it kind of realigns and puts our lives into perspective. Like that, like that suspension of disbelief. Exactly. Like, but not even like the suspension of disbelief in like a fantasy film where you're like, okay, that's not real. But in the mm-hmm. one that's like, hey, I don't know if this is real or not. Like, there yeah. could be something behind that cup in that cabinet. I haven't checked, oh, which yeah. is why I spent so much of my childhood. Like, I was like probably like thirteen, fourteen, maybe. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe like thirty when I was still checking behind that shower curtain. Like, is there a fucking werewolf killer or something <laughs> behind there? Well, I mean, sometimes a little bit know, of paranoia isn't bad. I guess. Right. It keeps you on your toes, keeps you alive in some cases. Uh, I would also say uh, the uptick recently in kind of uh, more uh, hyper-realistic horror is something that is... It's one of the few things that I don't know how to feel about it. Like um, the Saw franchise, for one. It's... It's fantastical. I mean, I don't think people typically would... uh, I don't think you could build massive death machines without someone noticing. People have, like, full-on, like, sex slave brothels in houses and no one notices. That is true. That That is true. So, I, like, there, there, so there is a, a level of th- hyper There's got to be some sickos out there. The FBI's like, let's not tell them about this because this is too real. Because well, they've mean, seen the movies and they think these people are out there, they'd freak out. Or... I mean, what are the common statistics about uh, serial killers in the United States? There's, like, what, 200 active serial like killers? That. I'm not too sure. I, I just know that, like... Most of them get, like, three four people, and that's it. And it's like, well, I don't fit many people's profile. And if I do, you know, mm-hmm. fuck it. <laughs> I won the lottery. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a good one. That's part of the constant fear and why hyper-realism in horror movies is so unsettling. Because this could be. Yeah. Like, like the older horror movies, it's, like, fantastical things. Like, like you see, like, Jason Voorhees and Mike Myers. It's like, mm-hmm. every time they turn around, he's already there. Yeah. It's like, that's not realistic. Or, like, going even further back, like, Hammer Horror or uh, Universal, uh, the old monsters, these were creatures from legend, and, I mean... And they uh, look absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) but they're terrifying, but you know that they aren't real. Like, when Monty McFly goes back and he's just like, I'm Darth Vader, he's just messing with the kid with the headphones. It's like, you just, back then, except we didn't perceive it, and we, there were new, it was new then. And then now it's like we've seen all that campy stuff. We've seen all that stuff. So now they have to extend themselves to hyper-realism and go, hey, this could be the guy next door. Hey, this looks realistic. This is how the blood splatters. This is how people die. This is existential agony portrayed. Yeah. There's Baba Duke for you. <laughs> uh, and it also kind of, yeah, well, I mean, I was just about to say, it. Kind, it's starting to seep into uh, fantasy as well. I mean, uh, now we're talking about... Uh, uh, well, the Babadook is a great example. It is uh, depression and anxiety personified, and a, a the it has a good lesson that like it doesn't go away. You have to learn to live with it, mm-hmm. and they eventually spoiler they live with the Babadook. Oh well, sometimes it's nice to have a monster down in the basement. Uh, just ask the parents of uh, the creepy kid in uh, <laughs> Pet Cemetery. <laughs> But no matter what, what we say, the horrors of the real world will always dwarf what we, what we see or what we do perceive in film. But that's why we need 
the healthy way of expressing ourselves with horror movies and with Halloween time, it, it gets all of our... Uh, for lack of a better word, it gets all of our demons out. It gets all of our anxiety and our frustration out in a healthy way. So we can see the gore. So we can uh, see the monsters manifest. And and we're at a safe distance. And it because... helps you confront them. Exactly. And we can sit in our seats, eat our popcorn, and watch the virgin get mutilated. When's the movie about the, the giant Cheeto come out where it's like, he's like the leader of all the world and he's just running it into the ground? Oh, you mean uh, <laughs> what we're living in now? Yeah, where's the one where we can confront and get over that and whimsical, oh, remember that time the Orange Man was bad and we all we all like, oh, you. Well, everything, uh, you need to take that with after it happens. I mean, that's not entirely true. I mean, uh, uh, getting away from movies for a moment, uh, they actually pursued that in... Uh, the anthology series American Horror Story, back in season seven. That kind of horror, horror shows and horror movies. It's all the same. No, oh, pretty much. Uh, uh, yeah, just shove I, it all in I, there. I quit kids. that show. I quit that show. At hotel. It Not was, its it, best year. It no. was two eighties for me, and I'm like, this is just like eighties, twy hard horror. I, I just, I just, just wasn't slick. See, and Coven already kind of like disenfranchised me a bit, but like Carnival, I thought was phenomenal. Death House. You see, here's the thing: I was not really sold on uh, the Freak Show. When oh. it was one of the few seasons where I was just like, "No, this is just not doing it for me." I, 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 I it's the only season that I have not finished. Really? Yeah. Uh, what was what was your big pull away from that? Because I, I like I like Dust Bowl era stuff. Like, oh, I, I do enjoy that. But and I thought like that fit like a little perfectly. I thought the Two Headed Girl was a little little lame to it. But like, see, for me, it was. I, it had a lot of great horror elements. It was uh, uh, its biggest uh, its biggest influence was the nineteen thirties movie Freaks, which was about amazing. I have yeah. that. God, that's even to this day. It's not terrifying. But it's, it's Makes you just uncomfortable. uncomfortable and relentless. Because one, it's like you have all those... They used actual circus performers from a sideshow. Like the, mm-hmm. That guy literally has no arms and legs. Yeah. And he's actually lighting that cigar with just himself. I'm like, that, that's pretty neat. And it's yeah. like they're actually downtrodden people doing this. And the whole element of the story is is they were just mistreating them because they were different. But they were actually like really good in the tight family in the end. Yeah. yeah things like that... Uh, I can enjoy, I can appreciate uh, that movie. That's a timeless movie. Yeah, it really is because there's not any generation that will watch that and go, not go, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's real. The really disturbing thing is just watching how the how the normal people treat them. That's that. That's that was the, the true part. horror. Yeah, that was the true horror when he's he's all in love with her, mm-hmm. and he's just got like dwarfism, and that other girl's just like absolutely in love with him. And it's, like, heartbreaking because she's just leading him on and she's just after his money. And it's just, like, it's, like, a real relatable natural story amongst these people that are looked down upon by society. And the true freaks were the cruel people. Yeah. And the fact that they do create this this real family unit uh, because they are so different from everyone else, they understand it. They they can adapt and they can be caring and 
and want you to be part of their family, which was the thing that they were all willing to accept this normal Google person. Gobble, Google gobble, gobble, we Google accept her, one of us. Google, but they had like a whole ritual to it too, where they all shared a drink together. Yeah, they all had the big thing, no matter who they were, and they were, and, they, and no matter what the person's disability or difference was, they all accepted them. Exactly, and then uh, after the betrayal, uh, the the pursuit. Of this girl, oh. just oh, everyone like, We're gonna running film this through the in mud. the rain and the mud, and you're like, ooh, ooh, there's the armless guy crawling to the mud with a knife in his mouth. You're like, what is going on? But it works so well. Oh, ooh, tingly. And just the, just, just the the speed that these people were pursuing this chick, yeah. and then turning her into a freak. Yeah, that wasn't the original ending, I believe either. No, it wasn't. Uh, the original ending, I think they just mutilated her. Yeah. But, um, it's been a while since I've seen it. The last, oh god, it must have been back in college. Uh, in the end, uh, the, the two small people, they actually end up together. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the happy ending. He finally realizes that he's been a fool this whole time, and that, that, that dumb girl's like, you know, like, still hanging on to him. <laughs> but he, he learned his lesson. Uh, sometimes the heart wants what the heart wants. Speaking of hearts, let's get into uh, some more uh, more uh, how love can drive you to do crazy things. <laughs> Basic Instinct? <laughs> is that a horror film? I, uh, guess some could, people have had a bad relationship, it is. You know. She boiled your bunny. <laughs> yeah, people would consider that a thriller more than a horror like a movie. a psychological thriller. But here's the thing. Sometimes I put that in the same. It's, it's Halloween. I'm still gonna watch it. Yeah, <laughs> although not that one because that's like too real. That's like, hey, you went on Tinder and you you should have known. <laughs> well, modern, modern day, I mean, it's it's just like that's not even a joke anymore. That's kind of what we have become. She, in she's a, a bunny aspect. boiler. And it's like, no, uh, yeah, she's. I'm not going to be a. She more. actually did kill your kill your cat. Um, because you loved it more than her. Uh, bro, she knows your address. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes a thriller, it, it, there's a very fine line between horror movie and thriller. I mean, personally, it's considered a thriller movie, but I've always considered Silence of the Lambs to be a horror movie. It was. That was, oh, that was another thing that scared me as a kid. I never saw the movie, but the cover with the bee, with like the, wa- the moth Yeah, the, the moth. I was always freaked out by that. Like That's I, a real thing. That's a real moth. Yeah, the death, death head moth. Yeah. Um, but my aunt had the VHS and it was always like on top. And so like every time I'd go by, like I'd see that and I'm like, that's the really scary movie. So I wasn't allowed to watch it. Mm-hmm. So and I was watching all these fucked up horror movies and like that one was like the one that was too bad. And I'm like, okay, I can understand, like, don't let your kid watch that, but can't be your horror movies. Yeah. It's like, Getting... Child's Play's more of a comedy half the time. Yeah, yeah, it really horror, is. Horror movies are often a lot more comedy. Well, they have to add the humor to balance everything else out. Uh, but uh, it, that kind of gets back to our discussion about uh, hyper-realism in horror. Because, I mean, again, about serial killers, about profiling killers, about tracking down these people who hunt people. It... Buffalo Bob. <laughs> he puts the lotion in the basket or else he gets the hose again. Violet, please, I want to go home. Precious, precious. Would you fuck me? Because I'd fuck me hard. He's putting lipstick on, you're like... Oh, yeah, the whole And the other part, scene. it's like, she's deep in the FBI, and you're like, there's people out there like this. 
Mm-hmm. There's people, and I think a lot of transphobia stems from that movie because, like, if they were like that, I'm terrified. Like, bro, should, should just let him get that operation? And this wouldn't happen. But remember, he's a garden variety manic depressant. <laughs> oh, oh, Dr. Lecter's made you terrified of psychologists. Well, <laughs> makes he was a little impolite. <laughs> well, I mean, to think about it, I mean, it kind of goes back to the whole, uh, the, the the inability to trust anyone. That whole, uh, the the authority figures being e- evil. And the fact you never knew if he had any kind of control or presence, even though he was locked up with mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins' character. With Dr. Lecter there, it's like, he made Migsy kill himself a cell away. Yeah. And that, the, Overnight. Yeah, and just uh, talking to him, he, he doesn't do anything, he just gets him to eat his own tongue. Yeah. Or swallow his own tongue, whatever it is. He, but, like... You never knew, like, she, she was inside, he was outside. You never knew what was working, and, like, you're rooting for her, and she did such a good job acting in that, like... Was, oh, yeah, Jodie Foster did a phenomenal She was job nervous, and it's like, if Anthony Hopkins was talking to me like that, I'd be nervous. Like, fuck that, like... Oh, just for the fact that it's Anthony Hopkins talking to me, I'd probably die. Well, yeah, I'd feel like a schoolgirl, but, like, if he's sitting there telling me, like, did the lamb stop crying, Dell? And I'd be like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) It's very interesting because from their initial uh, meeting to even the phone call at the end of the film, there's such a dynamic change because Lecter went from uh, trying to torment her and find out what kind of person she was to, 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 to really understanding her, not just playing with her emotions, which is what the whole first scene was about. Yeah. And, and he was just testing his boundaries, seeing, just getting, eliciting one reaction out of her. He could then determine what her habits and motives of her psychological behavior are. So he was just building a profile for her, just by making her unnerved, so he could actually work her to his will and come up with a plan. Yeah, which was all really kismet for him. The the whole meeting it was it, the the uh, the the whole escape. Uh, scene in that from from eating the guard's face to uh, flaying him out <laughs> to flaying the other one out beating uh, the the other officer and then escaping wearing one of their faces. C- could you imagine also being the director of that unit going, "I'm fired. <laughs> this is bad." But at the same time, like Doctor Lecter, like he kind of had morals to what he did. Like, he wasn't, he was, yeah, he was playing with Clarice, but he could have killed her anytime. He knew that, but she knew, he knew she was innocent and fighting for, to find righteousness and save the girl. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like, with the, um, the, the, the prison guard he never hurt, it was because he was always polite to him. Mm-hmm. It was all about manners for Lecter. It was all yeah. about boundaries and respect. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what what was the line in uh, Hannibal? Uh, uh, oh, I haven't seen that one so long. Uh, he preferred to eat the rude, free-range rude, he called them. So it was people who were offensive, who yeah. who just uh, were were vile in yeah. general. I'm, I'm a fairly rude dude. I gotta get eaten up real quick. Yeah, yeah. I could see you being uh, served up with a side salad. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's the Listen, end of the episode. <laughs> uh, the, wine, the wines over there, um, the ones in the bottom are actually the nicer wines. Uh, do you have any n- uh, nice spices? I mean, um, I think there's mead in there with mulled spices. Listen, if I'm going down, it's going down good. Like, you know, <laughs> I want to be as much the... of a pleasurable experience for my eater as possible. Don't worry. We'd start with the leg, so you could still be alive for that, and then we'd go piecemeal, piece by piece. Oh, what movie was that? Was that the New Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Where they actually feed someone their own, uh... Where they, like, did they just cut the parts off of people, like, one bit at a time, and, like, they tourniquet it off, and... Oh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The new one. There have been, like, three new ones that have come out in recent history. That is such a weird franchise, because I don't even know where it is right now. If it's part of the original continuity, if it's a new continuity. There's, like, continuities within its own continuity. Yeah. I remember. I just know like Leatherface is more of a victim <laughs> than you think. Yeah, I, it's so. The 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 original movie is probably the beginning of the slasher. Th- I mean, out, outside of which one? Was probably first? Psycho. Psycho was probably the first slasher movie, okay. but outside of that, for probably modern horror, I would probably say the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the first one where it was the guy in the mask chasing after the group of kids. Because that was the one that came out before uh, before Friday the 13th, before Halloween. Really, it was the first? Yeah. It came, I think it came out in 70... 75? Seems right. I thought the first... Maybe 77. Halloween was older than that. Uh, first Halloween came out in 78. So that was, God, that was 40 years ago. Yeah, a lot of these movies... Supposedly Black Christmas was the first slasher film. Really? Black Christmas? I I don't even know that one. Uh, That is also coming out with a new sequel recently. Because they came out with one back in 2005. Not a sequel, a reboot. It's going to be a reboot series. Gary Eulis is going to be in it, I think. Who's Gary Eulis? Um, uh, the, the Princess Bride, um, Farm Boy, um, oh, oh, Wesley. Yeah. No, Texas Chainsaw came out the same year as Black Christmas. Black Christmas had early release, but yeah, I'd then, yeah, Texas is the most iconic. I'd say. Yeah. Sorry, Black Christmas people. Well, Black Christmas will always have its Speaking place. Speaking of that, um, one of my favorite Christmas movies is that Christmas horror movie on Netflix, where it's like a segment of shows. There's, like, zombie elves, and, like, oh Santa's got a shotgun, and he's just, like, laying it to the elves and stuff like that. I don't think I've seen that one. It's really good. It's really good. Uh, I, gotta, I gotta think of the name of it. Well, uh, there was a Christmas horror movie that came out uh, not too terribly long ago, uh, Krampus. Ah, the Krampus Schnott. Yeah, Krampus Schnott. And uh, that one, yeah, there have been a lot of Christmas-related horror movies, if you think about it, um, Black Christmas, uh, pretty much uh, Jack Frost, which is also another one about the uh, killer who becomes a snowman. I thought that was the one about Jack Nicholson where he's like he dies and becomes a snowman. That that's <laughs> that is also Jack Frost, and I think that they both came out about the same time too, which must have made it awkward. Hey kid, I'm your dad, but I'm gonna melt. <laughs> oh, You're gonna have a lot of problems in high school. <laughs> Uh, My dad lives up north. How can we never see your dad? <laughs> well, good. God. He's a snowman. You know, just think of all the kids that have parents like that. This climate change thing is just fucking up their family. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> unless you live in the Mid- 
Unless you live in the Midwest, then it's like, hey. <laughs> Gremlins. That is also That's a, a Christmas, Christmas horror movie. Yep, yep. Um... I'm a big fan of Nightmare Before Christmas, but that's a, a Christmas movie with Halloween ties. You know, I it takes place after Christmas, in my opinion. Technically speaking, you can watch that from the beginning of October to the end of the year. I can watch it anytime. It, well, you can, you can watch <laughs> it anytime, to... but peri- period appropriate. I I do watch that during Halloween, and yes, I also watch it during Christmas, and yeah, I watch it in November too. <laughs> Because you can watch that movie whenever. I'm in a Facebook battle with my friend right now because he's counting down the days of Christmas. And I'm like, we have Halloween first, you motherfucker. It's Halloween, and then it's Thanksgiving, then the fat man has his show. I, 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 can, I can see blending it into November because that's when you should be buying all the gifts. And you got yeah. Black Friday and stuff like that. But for real, though, we got Halloween. It's like the best holiday. And if, if you don't think it's the best holiday, you're not celebrating it right. Like, yeah. have a big party, have a big feast like Thanksgiving, give gifts, mm-hmm. pull pranks. Like, you can make it whatever you want. Have a big bonfire in the backyard, throw some blood on yourself, run around naked. I mean, it's, it's all subjective. See, that's frightening. If I ran around naked, that'd be a horror story all its own. <laughs> I believe it. Right? But, uh, yeah, it definitely... Definitely a lot of great movies. You can watch at any time during the year, but... The one time it's socially acceptable to talk about horror films. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, you watch this time? No, I watch it all year. I'm a freak. Or whenever <laughs> there's a Friday the 13th. <laughs> right? That's like that's like the, that's like like that's like the the spooky folks get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, it's the uh, geeks, the goths, and the... Uh, uh, just a uh, social dejected. <laughs> oh shit! Like all three of those. Right? <laughs> uh, well, at least at least you're honest about it. I'm actually making a Halloween costume this year. Oh, what's it gonna be? Uh, a plague doctor. Oh, and that's great. why with that's the why, bird nose. Yeah, mask. that's why you see all this like weatherworking stuff. Cause I'm actually making it because my buddy has a wedding on Halloween. I'm, really? like, I'm going all out. <laughs> that's great <laughs> like like you're gonna be sitting there and be like no costumes you always want to have nice pictures like there's me in the back like this is how I am <laughs> <laughs> take me as me uh, that, that's great uh, I've been invited to a bunch of parties that seem to center around heroes and villains this year and it's just like everyone's doing the superheroes and that's like that's not, not really Halloween either. No, no, it's the villains. You want to do monsters and villains for Halloween. Yes. The kids can be whatever they want to be. They can be superheroes. They can be princesses. Hell, they could be the dumpster for all I care. But <laughs> Where would you go as? I'm a cum dumpster. Okay. <laughs> and that's getting into a whole different area than I thought that we were getting into. But, uh, yeah. We need more porn horror flicks. You know, all these things about the teenagers about to get killed and about to have sex. Why not have the sex first? Because the killer's jealous. I'm sure that there have been plenty of... Oh, I'm sure there are. I'm probably, like, they do it in real life called snuff films. It's, it's horrible. Oh, good God. You know, I actually saw one by accident once. Oh. It was awful. Oh, I, I had they had I, they made me wa- watch like Faces of Death and stuff in the army. And it was just oh, like, really? Well, I was, I'm a medic, so it's like you gotta get used to this shit because you're gonna be de- the one dealing with it. And you're like, okay, and you're like that's a dude being pulled out piece by piece from an elevator. You got caught between the wall. Like, yep, really? That, oh, that's fucked. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, sometimes it happens. Death is death is the reality that we all have to face at the end of the story. But it's 
how you face it. And that's another great thing about Halloween. Sometimes it's about facing the unpleasantness of death. But that doesn't necessarily mean that death itself needs to be something that you can fear. It just means it's something that you need to face. You just gotta face and respect it. We all die someday. That's, that's the way I see it. It's like, like I could walk out any day and get killed by a slasher. There, there could be a fucking gremlin in there yeah. that jumps out of that cabinet and kills me. But you know what? No one would believe it. No. But you know what? It, it, could, it could be sudden. So it's just like, fuck it. I die, I die. Yeah. Whatever. It goes into the just the generality of the unknown, which is also probably the greatest single thing that we fear. Just not knowing. When are we going to die? Is there anything after? What's going to become of me, my family, this, that, or the other thing? And it's about facing those fears. It's not necessarily conquering it, but facing it. And then that fear is what drives villains and stuff to be immortal. Mm -hmm. Or people want to leave their everlasting... Impression. Impression. I mean, it's sad to say, but sometimes being bad can oftentimes lead to immortality, even if it's not physical immortality. We talk about, uh, we still talk about Jack the Ripper, and the man's probably been dead for, what, a century and a half? Yeah, we still talk about Hitler, and the dude killed himself. Yeah, pretty much. Death is, death in many ways is a state of mind. I mean, there's actual death where the body decays, rots, and then goes back to the earth. Unless, you know, you want to launch it up into space. And in that case, <laughs> you're never coming back. What about uploading your consciousness into a computer? Which is the basis of so many uh, sci-fi movies yeah, nowadays. Yeah, like Oh, my God. <laughs> or, or that horrible uh, Johnny Depp movie, uh, Ascendancy or uh, Transcendency. Something I didn't like. see that. I didn't see it either, but I used to love I his performances, and I'm like, dude, you're getting too weird. You and Tim Burton used to tone it down, too. It's like, stop, bro. Really. Like, I left off at Corpse Bride, and I walked away. I'm like, you did Charlie Chocolate Factory, I'm like, okay. You're going from, like, just, like, kind of, like, spooky macabre to, like, this is just weird, guys. <laughs> like, Corpse Bride I did enjoy, though. That was, a, that was another good... That's another great Burton one. Another good family horror film. Mm -hmm. There's tons of them. Like you got to lead off with like Hocus Pocus, and you got Halloween Town, Absolute. Yeah, you go into the Disney Vault. I mean, there's a ton of great Halloween horror movies and Halloween specials that they've had for years. And I mean, they they don't even showcase them anymore. They just pump out the new stuff all the time now. Oh, there's so much new garbage. Like Netflix is rife with it. Yeah, Netflix really has been doing quantity over quality. This is Netflix, they used to do a lot of But there's quality. a lot of good gems in there. I actually canceled my Netflix. I got mad at them. Oh, they see. canceled the OA and they hired uh, the Game of Thrones people. And so I, I, with a bunch of other people on Reddit, said that was the reason. It's because you hired those assholes. <laughs> or, and you canceled the OA. Oh, well, there is that. Uh, for me, though, one of, one of the great movies to watch around this time... And uh, for no other reason than it, it's a puppet movie, it's a David Bowie movie, and... Uh, I know where this is going. And uh, George Lucas was the producer on it, Labyrinth. That was great. L Labyrinth, Neverending Story, and Dark Crystal are like the, the trio, the, the puppet tr puppetry trio of just amazing. But mm -hmm. Labyrinth is... That's so good, because it's like... Especially, like, as if you're, like, a babysitter. Like, you show that to the kid you're babysitting. Like, this is how it feels. I want to go out. 
Oh, so Goblin you, King, take this child away! So you can use that as a tool for punishment, too. Right? I never thought of that. Better, better than Matilda, get to the chokey. Oh, God. <laughs> like, in the claws, like, don't move. Yeah, that's also a great That's also a great story. And uh, also by Raul Dahl, who did another... Uh, who wrote another movie, uh, another story that became a great movie, The Witches. I used to love that book. Mm-hmm. Witches of Inkland. Uh, I don't remember watching the movie, though. Well, I can tell you, the, the movie was always great for me because there's nothing like seeing Angelica Houston peel back a mask and being this grotesque, horrible witch. And that was all uh, puppetry and animation done by... Uh, uh, not animation, but that was puppetry and mask work done by Jim Henson. Is Again. there anyone else who who does puppetry? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Steve Winston. Who's Steve Winston? He did he did the the alien costumes and uh, okay like uh, the All stuff right. for Terminator and uh, oh, oh I would and, even uh, think the Men in Black. I would even think of putting that together. Shit. Yeah. Because that's like sci-fi. I wouldn't. I'm sorry, Steve Winston, if you're listening on the odd chance. Like, he's been I, dead for years. I don't think he's listening. I'm sorry, or the grave, whatever. <laughs> Listen, it's the spooky season. He's coming for me. Yeah. <laughs> He'll get me my dreams like Freddy. Just put your jack-o'-lantern outside and it'll scare off the ghosts. Uh, that, that's a cool story on its own. It's the jack-o'-lantern history. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, um, if those don't know, there was this guy named, named, named Jack or whatever, and he was this raging alcoholic. And all he did is drink and be a degenerate. And then he ended up in a drinking contest with the devil. And, uh, basically, I forget, I forget the next part. Like, he beats the devil in the drinking contest. But the devil comes back and he tricks him again. And he keeps tricking the devil, but when he dies, he has to keep a light on in the, uh, in the pumpkin or whatever, right? Something like that, yeah. Oh, I forget the end of it. Shit. <laughs> Either way, he kept tricking the devil... Because he was just a drunken degenerate, and then in the end he gets, like, trapped into a... Yeah, like, he's in purgatory, of... right? Yeah. Something like that? Oh, yeah. The devil, he kept beating the devil, so the devil didn't want anything to do with him. And since he was so wicked, he wouldn't be caught in heaven, so he was caught wandering outside. And that's why he put the jack-o'-lantern out with a candle in it to keep him away. Mm-hmm. There it is. There it is. That's And that's the reason for the season. Well, I mean, it's it's so many great little traditions that we have for it. Uh, the the masks that people wear are so that uh, when you're out, the ghosts and demons won't recognize you and take you away. Uh, you leave the uh, uh, the food outside for for the dead that wander. And... Yeah, and a candle in the window to beckon uh, your loved ones home. Yep, and then the whole. Uh... You know, the whole extortion thing, very American tradition. Uh, trick or treat. <laughs> well, that's actually based off of an Irish uh, tradition. Oh, I thought it was based off paying taxes. Well, <laughs> I guess maybe there's that too. But uh, n- uh, no, uh, from what I remember, no, uh, no, nope, nope, it's not coming to me, so never mind. We'll move on <laughs> to the next one. But I mean, there's so many great traditions, so many great things that I mean, so many cultures that around the world celebrate feast days of the dead. Yeah. 
you honor the dead, and a lot of cultures like they embrace the dead. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, this is a part of it. You see your ancestors. Yeah, um, the, uh, the ancient Egyptians. The movie Coco. There. That's like you can watch that any time of the year, but like that's really good Halloween because it's Dia de los Muertos, mm-hmm. and I just like I don't, I can't watch it because like it's gonna punch me in the heart and I'm gonna cry at the end again. Like, <laughs> shit, like I'm a big tough guy. I'm a fighter, and a soldier. I'm like. <laughs> I really must be some sort of monster because I never cry at things like no, that. No, there's very few things that get me going like that. But that, that it, I didn't actually cry. It just, it just like hit me emotionally. I was like, oh my god, that's yeah. so, so beautiful. But uh, there's that. Um, uh, one one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite stories growing up. Um, uh, I think that uh, you saw um, uh, the Halloween tree. That. That is such a hidden classic. It's unbelievable how not everyone has seen that. The Halloween tree, for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, basically these kids show up to go trick-or-treating with their friend, and they show up and there's an ambulance taking their friend out to the hospital, and they see his spirit running off into the woods. The kids follow it into the woods, and they learn the true meaning of Halloween, trying to save their friend. And in the end, like they all give up portions of their lives so their friend can live. Mm-hmm. And they eat the skull candies. Like this is his soul, his life, crushes it. Like they give up their their life. It re- it really is so fascinating. I mean, it, it just uh, the, just kind of this love that children have for each other and close friendship, and it, it goes into a lot of history about other uh, about cultures that do celebrate. Uh, uh, Halloween and uh, feasts for the dead. I mean, they go into Deus los Muertos, um, and De los Muertos. <laughs> and uh, they talk about how the ancient Egyptians essentially worshipped death and the concept of the afterlife. And the Aztecs thought that death would bring about changes in the, in the world and control mm-hmm. the weather. You know, climate change fighting rule one, one <laughs> one. And uh, of course, um, uh, the feast of Samhain. The uh, the Celtic the classic feast of the dead, which is what uh, All Hallows Eve is based on. Yeah, yeah, and the it's it's it, it's educational, it's fun, and uh, it it's heartwarming. It's an actually heartwarming Halloween story. It, it, yeah, it was. It, it was such like you expect it's a horror thing, and that that old dude's kind of creepy, but it's like voiced it was, by Leonard Nimoy, no less. Right. Right? He's doing something besides that Hobbit song. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was very very heartwarming at that end of what they did and they're just trying to save their friend. Like as a little kid you can relate. Mm-hmm. Especially growing up in an era where you were riding around town on your bicycle. It's yeah. just like, hey, we all go to a friend's house and like what's going on? Like, Which really feels like I mean, I'm sure it still exists out there, but it feels like that's one of the things that we have lost. I, I drove down people. I was driving down center town and there were two kids with their bikes eating subs outside. I was at the front like, a couple weeks. I was like, "Oh my god, they still do that. That's uh, awesome." Oh, well, that's the thing. We're going to we're going to bed with pizza. We're doing it. Perhaps we're a little bit cynical then, as adults, but oh, you get to be, and that's one of the reasons why Halloween is great because we get to capture that spark of childhood again, and and, and horror movies help us feel scared like kids again. Except this time we get to be comforted by our friends because we're all freaks watching the same movie, right? Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're, we're ending ending our hour here. But, oh, good right. heavens. It didn't feel like it. Right, right. Um, yeah, so we're going to hopefully have Francis in next time. And 
hopefully you can keep this conversation going because this is a lot of good stuff right here. I would be happy so, to join you at any time. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're a great guest, and, and thank you very much for coming, Francis. Thank you so much, Dale.